Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. As you know by now, I would imagine most of you know this, that in Alberta, there will be no more contact tracing as of the 16th of August. If you test positive for COVID, it doesn't mean you have to quarantine. They still recommend it, but you will not have to quarantine, self-quarantine. And, uh, yeah, that's got some doctors, it's got some folks in this country uh, energized and uh, critical. But also, on the other side of the country, in New Brunswick, as I tweeted out earlier today, New Brunswick has taken steps beyond that. New Brunswick, essentially, is wide open with uh, pre-COVID realities. There are criticisms about New Brunswick's decision. So, uh, there's some questions I want to ask about this. And other questions have to do with, as we like to say on this program, where health and politics intersect at the intersection of health and politics. And joining us for that program is uh, Dr. David Jacobs. He's the chair of the Ontario Specialists Association. He's president of the Ontario Association of Radiologists. We're always glad to have uh, Dr. Jacobs join us. Dr. Jacobs, thank you very much for coming on the show. And what's your opinion, if I may ask you just out of the gate first, what are your thoughts on the decision taken by Albert and the decision taken by the province of New Brunswick? What are you thinking? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I think that every province has a very different reality in terms of uh, their socioeconomics, in terms of population density, in terms of uptake of the vaccine, in terms of prevalence of the virus. Um, And it's very important for us to pay attention to the fact that not every place is the same. Uh, Not every place is Toronto. Not every place is Montreal. Uh, So we we do have to respect the fact that different areas have different realities. And we also have to respect the fact that the public health officers have an army of epidemiologists working with them, trying to figure out what's safest for their population. Okay. Now, we are going to, if we're not already there, and in some places we are, obviously, we are going to be in a situation where the COVID virus and its various mutations, or variants if you prefer, are going to be just an endemic reality. Uh, Alberta is clearly seeing it as, as that. New Brunswick, similarly. Many jurisdictions in the United States are. Uh, And I hear people say, well, we should listen to the medical officers of health. They'll be the ones who make the intelligent decision. And then sometimes I hear the very same people challenge the medical officers of health, such as Dr. Dina Henshaw in Alberta. Where do you think, when do you think we'll be at that line, that position, when we can say, okay, it's endemic now, we'll treat it as another communicable disease, maybe more challenging than the annual flu, but essentially it's another communicable disease. When will we be there? Well, so we're already there, and we've been there for a very long time. Uh, COVID is now endemic to North America. It's not going anywhere. So the question isn't whether or not it's going to be endemic. The question is, are we at a point where we've done everything that we possibly can to minimize its impact on hospital resources and on the health of the general population? And in order to do that... um, there's really only one thing that we must 100% do, and that's vaccinate. Because once we're vaccinated, given the fact that this is an endemic virus, then we've done really what we can do. And then we have to decide, all right, how are we going to live with this? The 
problem that we have right now is that we've done an excellent job vaccinating, but we are not completely there yet. We still have large pockets of people who are just never going to get vaccinated. And then we also have large pockets of people who have difficulty accessing vaccination, uh, whether it be mobility, language barriers, financial barriers. Uh, there are a lot of barriers for some people to get vaccinated. So the real key for us to get back to as close to normal as we possibly can is massive, massive uptake of the vaccine. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to get into the argument or the question with you about why we should vaccinate. You and I are in agreement on that. And I already receive hundreds of emails from people who are not in agreement. I don't want to add to that list of emails. They all they know who they are. They I think they understand. Well, I shouldn't go there. No, I'm not going to say they understand what they should do, because that'll result in emails. <laughs> so let me. I'm just going to get out of the thin ice now and head through to the more secure territory of asking you this. Uh, do you believe, and you and I have talked about politics involved with health care, and you said to me on the air that you believe that the majority of people in health care are politically more to the left than they are to the right. Okay, so understanding that, has the approach to fighting COVID, let's go back to the beginning, to 2020, has the approach to fighting COVID been scientific or has it been more political? So, it's very interesting. The approach to fighting COVID uh, by the majority of the world has been scientific insofar as it's been recognized as a communicable disease um, and it has uh, it, it resulted in a tremendous amount of research. I've never seen so many uh, journal articles being printed at one time. And it's also resulted in this huge push for a vaccine. We've never been able to develop a vaccine that's as effective as this as quickly as we have. So science has pushed a lot of it. But then we've also seen areas where politics got involved, and we've seen that in terms of renaming uh, it from the Wuhan virus to uh, COVID-19. We've seen uh, the variants renamed from the regions where they've come from to, uh, to, to Greek new, uh, letters. And that's very, very new to us. And a lot of that is pushed by political correctness in politics. Um, and you can understand why China would say, well, we don't want it to be associated with us because of all the negative ramifications of it. Then you flip to local politics and you look at Canada. And, you know, we had all sorts of rules at the beginning that made absolutely no sense. So starting off with uh, the borders, calling, saying shutting borders was racist. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, shutting borders is the first response that you should do for any pandemic. So... It's been a bit of a hodgepodge, but I'll, I'll tell you that for the most part, science has been driving the vast majority of the good decisions that we've been making over time. Okay, so now my feeling has been that politicians have crossed over into healthcare, and healthcare providers have crossed over into politics, often to the benefit of no one, and and that's been that has been one of my concerns, and I've heard it. You know, I mean, we have a health minister who's a uh, She's never had anything to do with being a medical professional, uh, Professor, um, Minister Haydu, but she makes medical pronouncements, and, and I, I don't want to hear it from her. I want to hear it from you. But moving on uh, diagonally here at our intersection of health and politics, so now we have the Delta variant, Dr. Jacobs, and we keep hearing messages about how much more transmissible it is than others. And there's the story out of Massachusetts that... Um, 
I think it was 72 or 74 percent of people who were surveyed in one particular area or tested in one particular area of, uh, of Massachusetts who had uh, the Delta variant were also double vaxxed. And that raised a couple of things, a couple of points. Number one, people who were, who were anti-vaxxers were saying, see, see, what's the point? Because those people have been have been infected. <laughs> so I'm heading back to the thin ice now. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Let me jump on the thin yeah, ice. Yeah, please, please, save me. Because that thin ice is incredible. Well, no, I'm, I'm taking you down with me, my friend. <laughs> We're going for a swim. Okay. Um, the, there, there's the old question, you know, people are complaining about their, uh, their, 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 their health care that was delivered to them. And the doctor says, are we talking? And they're like, yeah. He said, did you die? No. Okay, then I did a good job. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's the idea with the vaccine. So, yes, um, and, and I, we want to be serious about this, though. You can catch COVID after you've been vaccinated. But when you catch COVID after you've been vaccinated, I'm never going to see you. You're not going to develop a bad enough case that you end up in the ICU. A certain number of people might get a COVID pneumonia from it. But most, but it, it's an infinitesimally small number who will end up uh, requiring hospitalization after they've been vaccinated. And that is point number one, two, three through 10 as to why you need to get vaccinated. Now, let's flip to the other side. With this new Delta variant, we are seeing that it's being picked up by uh, people who have been vaccinated and spread by people who have been vaccinated. So that's why when we look at what hap what's happening in Alberta and New Brunswick, we're going to have to be a little bit careful because there are still a large number of people who either can't be vaccinated because they're 12 and under or won't be vaccinated because they don't want it or uh, have been inadequately vaccinated because they've only had one dose or are immunosuppressed. So if the entire population can still pass it to those people, then the really only protection that we're going to have for those people are one of two things. Either more people get vaccinated so we can create herd immunity around them, or we might have to at some point look at uh, wearing masks uh, as we see spikes in cases. I don't like that, but that's the reality that we're living in. All right, Dr. So, Jake. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, finish so, your thought, please. No, 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 no. That, 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 well, my thought is please get vaccinated. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. At my own peril. So when we get to the issue, Dr. Jacobs, of mixed messaging that confuses people, one example is the Delta variant concern. We heard from the very beginning that it was in Britain, and there was a great concern that Britain was going to see a huge spike of cases, and maybe their unlocking of society was too early and they'd have to wait. Well, yesterday there was um, news, a news story, that uh, as British society opens up, the rates of COVID infection are leveling off, not what those who were worried about, the opening we're expecting. And so then you can get, get people who are saying, well, you were telling me it was going to be bad. You were telling me the modeling was going to see things really turn ugly. And here we are a couple of weeks later, the actual numbers away from the modeling are telling me everything is leveling off. How do you, I mean, how do you align that, that, that issue, that thinking, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you come to grips with mixed messaging that confuses people? 
Well, uh, a few things that I want to point out. Um, first of all, uh, we're actually in a better situation than the UK. The UK is predominantly protected by AstraZeneca, whereas in Canada we are predominantly protected by Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer is much more eff- has much more efficacy against the Delta variant uh, than the uh, AstraZeneca does. So whatever we see in the UK, we can expect to see things even better in Canada. Now, in terms of the mixed messaging, this is something that's been a problem throughout the pandemic. What epidemiologists do is they model data. In order to model data, you make certain assumptions. Every assumption that you make introduces an error or a, poten- or a potential error into the final analysis. So the more errors that you introduce, the wider the spread of what you're predicting could be. So you can end up with models, as we've seen before, that predict absolute disaster uh, that never comes true. Uh, and it's very encouraging to see that, that's, that, that things are leveling off in the UK because that's the difference between modeling and real-world data. So the real-world data is going to suggest to us that maybe things won't be so bad. I can tell you right now at, at the hospital, I read out the emergency room on a regular basis and I read out the ICU. We're seeing the numbers of people presenting with new COVID pneumonias it's just dropped precipitously. We're just not seeing anywhere near the numbers we had before. So this is good news, but I understand why people would be confused by it. So where, let, let's sneak media into this uh, intersection of health and politics. Let's sneak the media into this. How good a job is mainstream media doing reporting on developments with COVID, with the, uh, with the variants, with the entire story, is media reporting, do you think, incomplete, uh, too negative, or doing just fine? I actually think media is doing an excellent job and has been throughout the, the pandemic. I think that if we want to get back to the intersection of politics and health, the one place where we are finding media slipping a bit is stories like uh, Hinshaw in Alberta versus uh the exact same measures being taken in New Brunswick. So there is a bias towards hammering um, conservative governments when they make a decision and ignoring uh, NDP or liberal governments uh, who make the exact same decisions. So we are, you know, that would probably be the only place where it's going to slide. And I can tell you with certainty that uh, New Brunswick is going to get a free pass and Alberta will, will, will continue to get hammered at the same time for doing the same thing. Okay, we have just l- under a minute left. We know that we're going to be seeing the emerging of new variants, new mutations of COVID. It's just a fact of life. There may be some out there that we're not even aware of yet. Probably are, says the layperson. Uh, how do you think we should be dealing with the issue of emerging variants? What's the best way to do it? I think the, the, the most important principle that we need to have is that we have to accept the fact that, that we're not going to be able to be in full control of any viral outbreak. We're going to have to uh, celebrate the fact that we have vaccines and use them. We're going to have to accept the fact that we're going to need to have booster shots in all probability uh, if there's a particular 
particularly nasty variant that comes around. Um, that having been said, we also have to realize that our economy is important, our children's education is important, right. and the mental health of people is important. Okay. So we're going to have to balance all of those. Okay, I'll let you go with this. Uh, uh, Dr. Jacobs' email just came in from Pamela. Thank goodness for Dr. Jacobs. He is still a light in our lives, one of the few. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.